What goes up must come down, and down below the Atlantic Sea, Navy divers continue to extract debris from the Chinese high-altitude balloon just off the Carolinas. The balloon that floated across Canada and a lot of the U.S. still stirring questions. Superpowers spying on each other is nothing new, but the gall of claiming the balloon was merely for the weather was appalling. We may never know all the spying possible from the high-tech sensors packed into the balloon, three buses wide. It lingered over Montana, nearby states, home to U.S. intercontinental ballistic missile silos, strategic bomber bases. It was another sign that a Cold War may be warming up with China and Russia. Today, we live in threatening times, but we need to remind ourselves the Lord is still in charge. He's our refuge. Psalm 32, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series this week called Return to the Hiding Place. We're still thinking about the life of Corrie ten Boom and her family who went to concentration camps in World War II for helping hide Jews from the Nazis in Holland. One thing you learn from the ten Boom story is that they had hidden God's word in their hearts. So even when they didn't have a Bible, they had God's word inside them. It's a great example, a challenge for you and me to fill up our arsenals of faith with the Bible speaking to us what we need to hear and when we need to hear it. For example, yesterday we looked at Romans 8.28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That verse in your arsenal of faith will help carry you through thick and thin in your life. You can find refuge in the Lord. Yes, you can even hide in the comfort of the Lord, knowing he's in control and working out all things in your life if you are his child. Today, we're going to look at another verse that we need to hide in our hearts, in that arsenal that I've been talking about. Lamentations 3, and how the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's love is a covenantal faithfulness and it's eternally fixed on all those who love him and whom he loves. And then a little later, we'll talk to a man who learned as a child in a Japanese internment camp in World War II how God's steadfast love saw him through the worst of times. And guess who was in that camp with him? We didn't have much to do. We didn't have sports. Well, actually, Eric Little was wonderful with us. He organized games for kids. That's John Hoyt talking about the Scottish Olympian Eric Little, who was in that Japanese internment camp with him in World War II in China. It's a fascinating story that I know you will be richly blessed to hear. And then after the program, I'd like to encourage you to pray about how you can help us here at Haven Today continue to share the great story that's all about Jesus. For nearly 89 years, you heard me right. It's a friend like you who's helped support our mission to point people to Christ. And for your generosity, I want to send you the World War II story that was told in two films called The Hiding Place 
and return to the hiding place. The original movie was produced by Billy Graham's Worldwide Pictures, and the sequel was produced a few years ago, focusing on the young people around the Ten Booms who helped them smuggle the Jews out of Holland and stand up to the Nazis. So after the program, pray about what you can send, and then call us at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can make your gift online, and when you're there, watch some of the videos we have about Corey and her movies. The web address is haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And now, let's open this haven today with a classic of worship from back in 1988, Twyla Paris.
You Have Been Good, Twyla Paris, from 1988, here on A Haven Today, called Return to the Hiding Place. I'm Charles Morris, and as we think about that historic event of World War II, I want us to think about how we can hide in the Lord and seek Him while He may be found. I'm calling you and myself to find those places in God's Word to fill up our arsenals of faith with the Bible speaking to us what we need to hear and when we need to hear it. And we're going to look at one of those verses that we need in our arsenal of faith that will help carry us through thick and thin in our lives. And a little later, we'll talk to a man who learned as a child, eight years old to be exact, how to draw from this well of faith even as a child, nearly eight decades ago. John Haidt was thrown with his five brothers and sisters into a Japanese concentration camp in China. Eric Little, of Chariots of Fire fame, was in that same camp and helped look after John and the other missionary children. We'll talk to John in just a moment about what it was like. He may not have known it at eight years old, but God was giving him his word to fill his arsenal with faith that would last a lifetime. One thing for sure, whether in a World War II prison camp or a fancy beach house in Florida, you can still suffer. And for the Christian, your personal arsenal of God's word will not just come in handy. It'll see you through. So now, I want us to look again and find where in God's Word we can find words for our arsenal. Let me ask you, what comes up the most in all the Bible? If you just take the exact order of words, it's this line quoted 72 times in the Old Testament. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, But don't stop there. I'm not suggesting putting that into your arsenal. But there is a banner of words that God puts over you. The words into English shift occasionally, but mean the same, and this banner appears more than anything else. A few years ago, a good friend of mine and my wife's passed away. My children don't know it so much, but they learned from him through us. Dave Pallison died of pancreatic cancer, and we're still missing him over three years later at the Morris house. We had him on the program a few times as well. He meant so much to us and to so many. It was Dave who talked about this banner, this line that we need in our arsenals. My friend Dave knew the sweetness of God's love through Christ. Whether you are facing imminent death or you are struggling through this life, maybe in good health, you need to know this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never end. If you believe that and hide this word of God in your heart, you can make it through anything, even to your death and life in Christ beyond. Another person I count as a friend, Sam Albury, finds this banner picked up in Lamentations. You find it in places like Lamentations 3, 31 and 32. The Lord will not cast off forever, but though he causes grief... He will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Like many of us, for many years, Sam assumed that God's love and God's wrath were equal and parallel outworkings of who God is. After all, God is love. 
1 John 4.8, and God is light, 1 John 1.5. And so he presumed each was the source of either God's salvation or God's judgment. Sam could even draw a chart that lined God's love and wrath alongside each other with biblical examples and verses for each. It looked so neat and too tidy in his theology. But then reality set in, and through the years he kept reading God's Word and looking to fill his arsenal with truth. And that's when he realized that while God's wrath and judgment are significant, it's God's love that supersedes all else. The mercies he gives, Lamentations tells us, are new every morning. We talked about that a few weeks ago on Haven Today. Judgment is undeniable, if you believe in the Bible. But it's not what lies deepest in God's purposes for his people. God's judgment will not be forever, he tells us in Lamentations 3.31. But in the following verses, he will yet have compassion. And then in the next verse, and most fundamental, verse 33, it is not what God is not, what God is about. He works out of his heart in love and mercy to us first and foremost. His judgment comes because he's slow to anger. God is not trigger happy as we can be. If you've listened to this program long, you know the name Ray Ortland. But I'm not thinking of my predecessor. I'm thinking of his son, Ray Ortland an Old Testament scholar, now a pastor in Nashville. The younger Ray Ortland says God is not itching to bring down the hammer. We have to drive him to that. Instead, Ray says, his spontaneous heart is to love us. Because of the love's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3. God's word will protect you. His word will keep you. And so we need to hide it in our hearts. Seek out his word. Put it in our arsenals. This banner hangs over all of us who are in the care of the Lord. You find this banner mentioned in the great Messianic Psalm 110, where it points to Jesus Christ coming from the mysterious order of Melchizedek. It breaks out again eight psalms later in Psalm 118. This banner is high and mighty over us. It hangs on the Hebrew word hesed that helps lead us to Christ. God promises hesed, covenant faithfulness, to the thousandth generation of those who love him and whom he loves. We can give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love, his hesed, endures forever. That's the opening to Psalm 118. And if you still don't realize the need to keep this banner flying high over you, just go to Psalm 136, 26 verses long, and each new line, 26 times, ends in the chorus. His love, his hesed, endures forever. Psalm 136, known in Judaism as the great Hillel, the great psalm of praise. He is your creator, your rescuer, your victor your friend in need. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never, never come to an end. I want to share with you a story that demonstrates this steadfast love. I mentioned John Hoyt earlier in the program. He was born in 1932 in China. His father, a medical missionary for the same organization that Hudson Taylor founded, the China Inland Mission. 
John was one of six children, and due to the nature of his parents' work, all the kids lived in a Christian boarding school just after Pearl Harbor was attacked. The Japanese invaded much of China and put all the students from his school into an internment camp. His parents were in what was called Free China and were separated from their children for four years. John was only eight, but thankfully, the Christian teachers from his school were with them in the camps and helped the kids focus with their schooling and also not forget God's Word. So we didn't have any paper, we didn't have textbooks, we didn't have pencils. Somehow they managed to keep us going in spite of it all, because it was nearly four years in prison. Hmm. And uh, when we all left, we were only about a year behind uh, the other kids when we went back to England. One of John Hoyt's teacher was the Scottish Olympic gold medalist, Eric Little. You remember his story from the film Chariots of Fire, right? Well, Eric helped organize a physical education program for the kids in the camp, and he was there to console them as they missed their parents. We didn't have much to do. We didn't have sports. Well, actually, Eric Little was wonderful with us. He organized games for kids. This he is was, the gold medal yeah, winner that's of right. Chariots of Fire, Yeah, the Scotsman. Uh, he, was, he was exemplary, and we, uh, we idolized him because we knew about his gold medal, but he was so... So uh, humble about the medal, he would never tout it or do ex- say anything great about himself. He was a very humble man, but we felt he was an epitome of what Jesus Christ would be in a camp like this. Mm. It was a huge shock to us when he died very suddenly. We think he had a, a tumor, a brain tumor, and it came on quite suddenly, extensive uh, headaches. So some, at the end of the film, Chariots of Fire, it says he died in a Japanese internment camp. And it, you'd think that maybe it was because of torture or that. No, it was just the, um, the, uh, this strange tumor that just came upon him. Mm. And it was hard for him because his wife and children had been sent to Scotland. He was alone from, and he missed his wife terribly. But my brother Robin was in the, the men's dorm that he was in, so he got to know Eric pretty well. But with all the school and games, they were still in a Japanese internment camp in World War II. Thankfully, they didn't see much torture, but life was still hard. Our problems were more that it was very cold in the winter and we couldn't get good fuel, so we were cold all the time. And also the food was very monotonous and very limited. Mm. We would be given, say, uh, 10 pounds of horse meat to feed 1,000 prisoners. So they would make a sort of a, a very dilute stew to keep us going. John Hoyt saw that no matter how difficult times were for him, as a young lad in the camps, the steadfast love of the Lord was always with him. God's or Christ's persisting light shines through in the dark places. And believe me, we had some very dark times in China uh, with my parents nearly being killed by the, the Red Forces when I was two and then the war. And while we were in the prison camp, we got the news that my mother had died mm. uh, of typhus fever. Of course, they were, my mom and dad were in free China, 1,500 miles inland. So and we couldn't get to them and they couldn't get to us. But this news was a terrible shock. We all, well, at least my sister said that 
She didn't believe it. She hoped that it was just a rumor. Mm. So we waited for Dad after we were free down in Hong Kong. And um, there was Dad, but no Mom. We realized it wasn't just a rumor. She actually had died. And that was the harsh, darkest thing for us. I mean, the prison camp is a difficult place. But when you don't have your parents, you really feel double of an orphan. But we did met my dad, and we took the slow boat to, to England uh, after the war. So looking back, look at the horrors of war, I think the light of Christ's truth and his light shone through the dark places in my life, and his compassion and his love will be with me forever. John Hoyt, who understood World War II as a child. As an adult, John eventually moved to the United States, where he worked in the tech industry for many years. He was close to Bill Hewlett of Hewlett and Packard, and he now lives in Washington State and enjoys writing with his wife, the poet Lucy Shaw. Truly, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. Dave Hunt singing for us the steadfast love of the Lord from a collection of hymns. I'm Charles Morris, and I'm thankful we were able to share a little of John Hoyt's story with you today. He was only a child as he experienced the horrors of World War II, but he still saw the light of Christ shining through dark places in his life. And that sounds like just what Corey Ten Boom used to say about her experience in the concentration camp in World War II. She saw those horrors. Her father and her sister died in the camps. But as she also said, there is no pit so deep. God's love is not deeper still. I'd like to send you two movies that tell the story of Corey Ten Boom and her friends and family called The Hiding Place and return to the hiding place. As you watch both of these feature films, you'll be greatly uplifted to see how the steadfast love of the Lord never ceased to be with her and her family and her Christian friends 
even as they faced the Nazis and the concentration camps. Billy Graham's Worldwide Pictures produced the original movie, and the sequel was made a few years ago. Both are really painful, yet very exciting to watch. And I believe will encourage you that the Lord is just as present with us today as he was in World War II. Here's our number you can call right now, 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website and watch some of the video that we posted with the late Corey Ten Boom, and then you can make your gift and ask for the DVD set, The Hiding Place, and return to The Hiding Place. Our web address, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And if this ministry is a blessing to you, why don't you pray about becoming a Haven partner? And that's somebody who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to help us keep sharing Jesus, not just with you, but with others as well. Ask about it when you call or or read about becoming a Haven partner when you visit us online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll be sharing the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Anyone who's ever ridden in a car with a child is quite familiar with that question. Whether it's a 10-minute trip or a cross-country trek for a family vacation, children so focus on the destination, where they're going, that it affects how they experience the journey. And people in Jesus' day were no different. They wanted to know if the end was near. Are we there yet? And Jesus' answer might surprise you from Matthew 24. He said, no one knows when that will be, but the end will be like the days of Noah. People were living life, then suddenly the end. Scary. But in Christ, that's where our hope lies. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.